Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. One hour in the books, so we're starting the second hour off right on time. Boss is going to love that. He's out of town, but he's informed us that he's listening on the Radio.com app, which you can do that as well. Download 610 Sports Radio on the Radio.com app, but first download the Radio.com app on your mobile device. Take it anywhere you want. When you're out here driving on Shawnee Mission Parkway, or you're out here on Metcalf Avenue, or you take Lamar to wherever you take it, you can listen to us. Just plug it into your aux cord or plug it into your Bluetooth. They got all the podcasts on there, too. So That's hit right. that subscribe button, and then it'll send it right to your phone. Notification every time in case you aren't listening live. You still check out everything on Out of Bounds and all the other great shows that we have on 610 Sports Radio. That's right. Speaking of 610 Sports Radio, we have the Arrowhead Pride guys again this year. Pretty excited about that. Some good stuff coming for the upcoming season of the Chiefs. As many of you already know, it's going to be a... Uh, going to be a pretty big year for the Kansas City Chiefs and the city of football, and this is going to be your number one home for when it comes to football talk, 6 and Sports Radio. We've already got guys out there more than anybody else. Brandon Kylie, Carrington Harrison, Sean Levine was out there in his sexy pants. Um, and, uh, you know, they had the tweet up last weekend. You've got Jay Binkley out there smashing Big Macs out there. Um, I mean... Sandwiches. Yeah, that's what he claims. Um... 69306, Protein Honesty with a Purpose text line, is a Big Mac a sandwich or is it a hamburger? Or, I guess, is a hamburger a sandwich? Should we play the cut from last week so people know? Yeah. You know, I got to do a really good sandwich, you know. Chill what, kind, out. what kind of sandwich you know, did you have? You know what? I had a Big Mac, actually. You had a Big Mac? Is that a sandwich? I did. I did. Yep. It is. I did. Beakley's very short to defend himself. Oh, yeah. Um, But, yeah, we're live and local every Saturday here on 610 Sports Radio because that's what we feel like you want. We don't want to have you listen to stuff from New York or Baston or people from Boston because I am smarter and better than you. That's what we want. We want to give you a live local feel. And when it comes to this live local feel, we dive into Arrowhead Pride. Arrowhead Pride's new writer and recently added to the team, Ron Cop Jr. At Ron underscore Cop, R-O-N underscore K-O-P-P. Wrote an article yesterday that I found very interesting. And basically what I took out of this article is the fact that Ron is not Ron the show. Ron Cop from the Arrowhead Pride uh, staff is basically calling Steve Spagnolo Obi-Wan Kenobi. You're our only hope. He's our only hope. Because when it came to last year's team, Bob Sutton absolutely crapped down his leg. This team has a tight fix on themselves. There is not a lot of stuff that gets released out of players' mouths 
or finger pointing towards anybody. But boy, that was different as soon as Bob Sutton was let go. Because I remember very clearly that when Bob Sutton was let go, one of the main things that got talked about was he expected veterans to make plays and he didn't enjoy changing things up mid-game. He figured that things would work well together and that's how he thought things should work out. That's just not how it happens in the NFL because guys like Patrick Mahomes who can see defenses and absolutely change things up. He brings up a couple good points in this article at uh, Arrowhead Pride. I retweeted it so you can find it on mine, or I liked it on Twitter. If you want to follow me at, at Dusty Likens on Twitter. He brings up pretty good points. When it comes to scoring, he says the 2018 Chiefs led the league in scoring by an average of 35.3 points per game. Their failure to win the Super Bowl added them to a surprising list. Out of the last 19 regular season scoring leaders, only one team went on to win a championship, the 2009 New Orleans Saints. This list includes some of the most pro prolific quarterback seasons ever. The 2004 Colts had Peyton Manning as MVP and 49 passing touchdowns. They lost in the divisional round. The 2007 Patriots, when Tom Brady threw 50 touchdowns, had Randy Moss and had this 15-win season. Lost in that Super Bowl, lost to the New York Giants. And then Peyton Manning, when he threw 55 touchdowns, and the Broncos got obliterated by the Seahawks in the Super Bowl. This Chiefs offense shouldn't have a setback this year, right? They you added, would think so. Yeah, they added McCole Hardman. They have Tyree Kill, who Brandon Kylie says is on a whole other level with yeah, Patrick Mahomes. Yeah, he was last saying year. that they're both getting better. It's insane. Travis Kelsey is starting to enter the prime of his career at 30 years old in October. Then you move on to the defense, where cornerback, they, as Ron says in this article, quarterback is one of the most important positions contributing to team success. Five of the four of the four mentioned six titles winners had a cornerback that finished the season with an 83.3 grade or higher. And the only team that didn't still had an all-pro corner on their team, a.k.a. Chris Harris Jr. Chiefs cornerback Kendall Fuller, to give you some perspective, was rated in 2018 by Pro Football Focus a 72.4. That's substantially lower. And Bashad Breeland, newly added corner to the Chiefs, had a grade of just 58.5. So quarterback's an issue. Out of the 11 players that saw the most defensive snaps last year for the Chiefs, only four remain on the team. Guys like Justin Houston and Dee Ford are among the seven that departed, and they own two of the top three individual pro football grades on this defense. Moving on in the article, the last 10 Super Bowl champions have all brought back more than half of their defense of personnel from the previous season. In fact, only one of those teams returned with fewer than eight of the 11 with the most defensive snaps in the previous seasons. Obviously, the Chiefs have added Frank Clark and Tyron Matthew, both prolific players, to their team. But this is why I compare Steve Spagnuolo to Obi-Wan Kenobi. Because Ron says this very important thing at the end of the article. There is, however, and I'm reading this verbatim, there is, however, one historical aspect of that overhaul that bodes well for the 2019 Chiefs, excluding the New England Patriots' three championship runs because the New England Patriots are an anomaly. We know that. The other seven recent Super Bowl winners all had defensive coordinators in their first or second year at the helm. Four of those coaches were in their inaugural season as the head of the defense, just like Chiefs defensive coordinator Steve Spagnuolo, who, will be, uh, who is currently right now in his first year as the Chiefs defensive coordinator. This indicates that these teams recognized a coaching change was needed to put them over the top. That's exactly what Chiefs fans hope for when it comes to Spagnolo and if he can deliver. Again, I'll read that again. This is, however, one of the most historical aspects of that overhaul that bodes well for the 2019 Chiefs. Again, 
We exclude the New England Patriots' three championship runs, but the other seven recent Super Bowl winners all had defensive coordinators in their first or second year at the helm. Four of those coaches were in their inaugural seasons as the head of the defense, just like Chiefs defensive coordinator Steve Spagnuolo will be. This indicates that these teams recognized a coaching change was needed to put them over the top, and that's exactly what Chiefs fans hope Spagnolo can deliver. Nick Price, I have no other comp than Obi-Wan Kenobi when it comes to Steve Spagnolo. Yeah, I mean, I think that when you were watching this team last year, no matter how good the offense was and how much better the Chiefs overall were as a team, you always knew that that Achilles heel was Bob Sutton on that defense, and people have been calling for Bob Sutton or for them to make a change at defensive coordinator for years before they finally did in this offseason. So you always kind of knew that you were crippled by having Bob Sutton as your defensive coordinator, and I think that that's the best point that he pulls out in this little snippet from this article is that they recognized a coaching change was needed to put them over the top. That's exactly what they did here. They not only got a coaching change, but they changed up a defense to help with, you know, stopping the run and all this other stuff that they struggled with so much last year. So Steve Spagnuolo, we talked about a couple weeks ago about like our key player or key member of the Chiefs for this season. And I had Steve Spagnuolo as my guy because it all comes down to him. Is he going to be that much better than Bob Sutton in order to put this team just a little bit better position defensively to put him over the top? It's yet to be seen, but it was definitely a move that had to be made. And it's not like Steve Spagnuolo has a history of being one of the top defensive coordinators in the NFL. He also was a head coach at one point. But again, when you look at this defense last year, it ranked, I believe, 24th in points allowed. So not the worst, like not at 32. No. But when the Chiefs play defense this year, they just need to be inside the top 20. And if you can take an offense that was so dynamic last year that should probably, again, lead the NFL in points scored, a lot of offensive categories, it should probably be up in the top three in touchdowns, should be in the top three in total yards, should be in the top three in scoring, should be in the top three in a lot of things. It makes you wonder that if this defense that added Frank Clark, Tyron Matthew, guys that can be on the field, can stay healthy, we hope, that don't, well, I mean, Tyron Matthew has a little bit of a history of being hurt, but if these guys can be the dogs, be the guys that they've been so far in camp and continue to be leaders, it makes you feel that even this team that was ranked 24th, even if it is frowned upon already that they have a lack of depth at cornerback, that their highest rated corner last year, according to Pro Football Focus, was Kendall Fuller at 70, what, 3.4 is what they said? Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, Kendall Fuller's supposed to be your best cornerback on this team. But when you add guys like Juan Thornhill who can get into the mix and guys like Juan Thornhill who have been impressive at camp and when Dirty Dan comes off your bench to spell players, I don't think Dan Sorensen is a top-line starter in the NFL. I don't think anybody thinks that. But I think Juan Thornhill can be. And I think Juan Thornhill paired with Honey Badger, with Kendall Fuller, and if Bashad Brilliant can stay healthy, and this defensive front with Ogba, Okafor, Chris Jones, Frank Clark, and Raglan and Hitchens can all be dogs up front, I think this defense can go from 24 to 20, and I think that Steve Spagnuolo could be our only hope to get this team over the edge because, like we read in that article, teams that had a change in that position out of the 11 teams take away the Patriots, seven of them won the Super Bowl because they knew a change needed to be made. They knew it was just one of those little bitty changes that can get this team over the hump, and those teams got over the hump. So when it comes to Steve Spagnuolo, yeah, he's Obi-Wan. Yeah, I mean, I think the one, one more thing that I want to add to this is we've been hearing a lot from the defense about how 
They love Spagnuolo's energy and everything. And last year, you saw the Chiefs' defense out there just acting very defeated. They didn't really bring it on third downs. I mean, look at the AFC Championship game alone. Because they didn't have a dog. Exactly. And so, like, if you get this new culture on the defense where they can actually get hyped up and have that clutch gene that they've been missing to be able to get off the field on third down, that can change a lot about a game, especially when you give basically getting off the field on third down is putting the ball in Patrick Mahomes and this offense's hands even more. So you got an opportunity to blow teams out a lot more than you did before because your defense isn't out there just being defeated. So I think that's one of the biggest things that Steve Spagnuolo could bring to this defense. When it comes to the Hall of Fame, Tony Gonzalez got inducted last night, so it makes me wonder, do you dislike Tony Gonzalez more or O.J. Simpson? Out of Bounds with Dusty Likens and Nick Price, 610 Sports Radio. All right, Tony, you got the energy going right now. Right. How you feeling? <laughs> I'm feeling damn good. <laughs> I don't think there's other way to say it. I'm so excited to be here. Uh, it's a dream come true. Tony, one of three first ballot Hall of Famers in this class. I mean, you knew you had the great career, but you see as you walk to that gauntlet, all the greats that are there wearing those gold jackets, how did that feel knowing that you're part of that exclusive group? It's, it's you know, first of all, it's surreal seeing all these guys that you idolized growing up, they're your heroes, and now be able to walk through with them and, and give them all hugs and, and shed a few tears in front of them. And uh, it's just great. But also, too, when you put this jacket on, uh, I look at my family around the room here, uh, you realize it's this, this isn't just my jacket. I mean, they all had a hand in making this. And, you know, it's one of those things I always look at. It, it's not me. It's we and my family are having a great time. And I just want to thank everybody for coming out. This is uh, truly special for us. Well said. Congratulations, Tony. Thank you. Enjoy. Tony Gonzalez there as he uh, gets ready to go into the Hall of Fame. And I know there's a lot of people out there that are pretty, uh, pretty outraged with Tony Gonzalez. Big divide on Tony Gonzalez. Yeah, I mean, I watched. I looked at his. I looked at his. Uh, his Hall of Fame locker. It's got a Chiefs jersey in there. It's got the uh, the the stat football in there that has it with the Chiefs arrowhead on there as well. Yeah, it's, it's not like it's not like baseball where you choose a team to go yeah. into the Hall of Fame as like he's a Chief and a Falcon. Yeah, got to deal with it. I mean, it was pretty funny. It was pretty funny when uh, Michelle Tafoya interviewed him and just basically threw some shade all over him when she was like, "Well, you had one big playoff game in your entire career." Mm-hmm. Um, it's just pretty cool. Uh, for a guy like that that played for a team in your city uh, who is arguably the best or second-best tight end. Some have a debate over that um, when it comes to who is the better tight end when it comes to career numbers over Tony Gonzalez or is it Rob Gronkowski? I think that's a pretty interesting debate over time. I'm not mad about Tony Gonzalez and his decision to glorify the Atlanta Falcons. I also believe that there were some things that went on with him and the Chiefs franchise at the time that he might have been handcuffed uh, and couldn't really get out of Kansas City because of reasons that we don't know about. So I don't know the full Tony Gonzalez story. If we hear it one day, I think it would be a great story to hear the full all-in what happened with Tony Gonzalez and his time in Kansas City. You know, I thought they did him a favor by letting him go to Atlanta, who was a team that was up and coming, that had an MVP quarterback in Matt Ryan, uh, who had a up and coming receiver in Julio Jones that was supposed to be and is probably still arguably one of the top three best receivers in football until he hangs it up. But when it comes to tight ends in the NFL, I think everyone is kind of coming around to the fact that Travis Kelsey is the best tight end in football currently. I read an article on the big lead on Twitter 
and they ranked the top 10 tight ends going into the 2019-2020 season. Number 10 is Greg Olson, or G-Reg. By the way, if you want to know why he gets that name, Nick Price, don't ever play it on this airways, but go look up the song Seventh Floor Crew mm-hmm. by the Miami Hur- Hurricanes football team. It's a rap song. It's about eight minutes long. Craig Olson has a spot in that song that's very, um, well, it's just, it's not clean. Uh, I'll check n- it out on my own time. Number nine, which has got to be just an insult to Greg Olson, is Jason Witten. Oh, my God. Jason Witten. Wow. Wow. What a play. A.K. Jason Witten, the worst broadcaster in the history of sports, um, is number nine. Number eight is Austin Hooper in Atlanta. Number seven, Kyle Rudolph in Minnesota. Number six, Jordan Reed. Number five, Trey Burton in Chicago. Number four, Eric Ebron in Indianapolis. Number three, Travis Kelsey to me's biggest competition, George Kittle in San Fran. Number two, Zach Ertz. And number one, Travis Kelsey. And their description of Travis Kelsey is as follows. Big, strong, talented, physical, a reality show star. Truly, Kelsey is the heir to the tight end empire Gronkowski left behind. Since 2014, Kelsey has not ended a season without 18 receiving yards or 60 receptions. The arrival of Patrick Mahomes allowed him to truly flex his power last season, earning a career-best 1,336 yards and 10 touchdowns. Kelsey is also just 29, meaning his reign as an offensive terror may have just begun. He'll be 30 in October. I think he's got three years left of dominance at that position. Then eventually, Ertz and Kittle, who will also regain the strength. I think Zach Ertz is somewhat around the same age. I don't know at the top of my head how old Zach Ertz is. It didn't say in the article, but I think he's like somewhere around like 27, 28, I believe. He's 28, yeah. 28. And uh, husband of the United States Women's National Gold-winning medal mm-hmm. team. That's right. Um but the thing about Travis Kelsey that's intriguing here is that I think we're finally all on board on who the best tight end is in football, which is also on the team with the MVP of the league and Patrick Mahomes, who we said earlier. This is part of why I think Travis Kelsey is probably out of the core, the one I look up to the most, who I think is basically the reason that this team can be even more successful. You look at what Travis Kelsey used to be, right? You look at his adolescent days where he was rolling the dice, to quote Nick Price, and apparently everybody else where he was throwing towels in the face of refs because of what he thought was a pass interference call and gets booted from a game against Jacksonville. The thing about Travis Kelsey now is that Travis Kelsey now probably knows he is the top tier at tight end because other people are writing articles about it, and you better believe me that when people write stuff about you, everybody reads it. You don't necessarily have to agree. It can hurt your feelings. It can make you feel great. It's kind of like the text line. Some people say I suck. Some people like the show. I take it as a grain of salt on both because I don't know if those people are family members texting in or just truly fans that say I suck. I've got some family members that probably don't like me. That's fair. But Travis Kelsey now knows what his role is on this team, also what his role is in the NFL. And when you move it even further, he knows what it's like to now be the number one tight end. And at age 29, 30 in October, Travis Kelsey probably has at least two, possibly three more years of pure dominance in that position on this team. And with your quarterback not going anywhere and with a wide receiver that many think will get a contract, um, this offense isn't going anywhere. So when you want to talk about passing the torch from Gronkowski to Kelsey and you want to talk about passing the torch from Tom Brady to Patrick Mahomes, makes you wonder if you're just going to pass the torch of dynasties as well. 
Because when it comes to Travis Kelsey being the number one tight end in the league, and you have one of the most dynamic receivers in the league, and you have what some people might say is the best quarterback in the league, and according to the NFL's top 100 and the top five, he was number four, only behind Drew Brees, who continues to get sympathy votes for some damn reason I can't explain. Must be nice to play in a dome nine games out of the year. It makes you wonder. But Travis Kelsey, being the tight end on this Chiefs team, and Tony Gonzalez going into the Hall of Fame, their careers now are somewhat parallel. Travis Kelsey, 87. Tony Gonzalez, 88. Travis Kelsey, probably one of the best at his positions of all time when it's all said and done. And also a somewhat trailblazer, kind of like Tony Gonzalez was. Travis, Travis Kelsey isn't one of those big tight ends like Shannon Sharp was, like Tony Gonzalez was, like Ben Coates was. Travis Kelsey is more of an agile tight end, like Gronkowski was. Now, Gronkowski was big as well, but Gronkowski was also agile and could move. But Gronkowski also wore a gigantic, bio, like almost like a Terminator type of armband. Travis Kelsey is one of those guys that can go out there and he blocks well in this system. He catches well, runs routes in this system as well. But it also brings me up when it comes to getting into the Hall of Fame. Tony Gonzalez, who got there. Travis Kelsey, who's going to get there probably eventually, I would assume, if he keeps having years of 860 receptions and last year he had 10 touchdowns. There's other people that enjoy the Hall of Fame. Hey, Twitter world, it's me, yours truly. Well, the day is a Hall of Fame day, and I want to congratulate the new inductees, uh, Ty and Champ and uh, Ed Reed, and, of course, goes without saying, Tony Gonzalez. Uh, you know, these DBs today, they got it tough. They got to play against receivers who, uh, in many cases, faster than them, bigger than them. All the rules uh, favor them, yet they get the job done, and uh, these are three of the all-time greats. Um, you know, w when I played, I didn't really worry about cornerbacks so much, uh, because it always became a foot race with them, or they ran me out of bounds or something. It's the safeties. Oh, God. Safeties and linebackers, they brought the intimidation factor. When you pop through that line, those are the guys you had to worry about. And I've watched Ed Reed play, and I thank God every day I never had to play against this guy. There's two safeties that I did play against, and I was shocked to find out today, really, are not in the Hall of Fame. One was Jack Tatum, Oakland Raider. They've won Super Bowls. Uh, no safety in the history of the game, I believe, was ever more intimidating than Jack. When you pop through that hole, you're looking for Jack. Receivers running across the field, they're looking for Jack. Uh, it may be the unfortunate situation with Daryl Stingley that's kept him out. I don't know. I do know this. He's the architect of what may be the most famous play in the NFL, Franco Harris's immaculate reception. It was Jack Hitt that started that. Uh, the other guy is a guy who had the misfortune of playing twice a year, Dick Anderson of the Miami Dolphins. This Good guy, to me, was the most intimidating guy on their defense. Sure, Nick Bonacani bothered me probably the most, not because he was physical, but because he was on you all the time. Dick would knock your you-know-what into the dirt. Uh, look at that Miami defense compared to the Pittsburgh defense at the time. Pittsburgh have a host of Hall of Fames. The Dolphins don't. Look at those two Super Bowls they won. Look how many points they gave up. These guys were as good as anybody, and to me the most intimidating guy on that defense was Dick Anderson. You're not in the NFL Hall of Fame, but you're in my Hall of Fame. I'm just saying, take care. <laughs> he's just saying, take care. Speaking of somebody who's just saying and always says take care, Pete Sweeney, he's next from Live in St. Joe. Out of Bounds with Dusty Likens and Nick Price, 610 Sports Radio. 
Rushing the Field with Jay Binkley. Sounds like a fun time. Yep. <laughs> Maybe get some sandwiches afterwards. Nope, because I don't I don't want Big Macs. You don't eat Big Macs? No. I, no. I had a Big Mac last week. That's all right. I thought Big Macs were about as popular as Sinbad. You think uh, Pete Sweeney eats Big Macs? No, not at all. He's from New York. They don't eat Big Macs in New York. Um, Pete Sweeney will join us in just a second because I'm going to keep him on hold for just a little bit longer. Um, we talked about it earlier. Travis Kelsey being a dynamic person in this offense. They've talked about backup tight end. It's not coming up anytime soon. We have a guy named John Lovett that could be a backup tight end, a possibility. But uh, talking about Travis Kelsey, we'll talk about a little bit later about Mahomes' memory and how it's just insane. And also the dynamic feature that is the last feature of the comp, comp, player comp of he and Steph Curry. But, um, oh, wow. Uh, Nick Price really disrespecting your name as he wrote on the call-up ahead on the hotline is Lil Pete. We are now joined by Lil Pete in St. Joe. Pete, how are you today? Um, doing well. Don't know about the new nickname. Yeah, I don't. Uh, hey, I, I don't know. It's like Lil John or something. I thought it was hip. Just don't know about it. I don't. I don't get it. That's. I mean, that's Nick Price for you, man. That's. It's not me. Don't get mad at me. I didn't. I didn't. I call you Peter Sweeney because that's what your email says. <laughs> yeah, uh, people don't realize this, but my full name is Peter, actually. So, so you're saying that people who go by Pete probably are called Peter in real life. Uh, yeah, usually that's 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 how it goes. Not all the time. Not all the time. Yeah, it's weird when I tell people my real name Tom, is uh, Dustin, not Tom Dustin. and Thomas. Uh, but yes, Pete. Is, my full name is Peter. Actually, I don't know why you use that as an example to compare names to. Uh, let's just get going. All right, um, <laughs> Pete Sweeney, uh, live in St. Joe. How was first off? How was the crowd on this weekend? As I think today was Fan Appreciation Day down in St. Joe or up in St. Joe. Yeah, uh, not Fan Appreciation Day, Family Fun Day. That's so right, Family Fun Day. For the whole family. Um, crowd, was, crowd was big, probably a second or third to the first and second days. The first and second day, I mean, I, I can't remember hearing that many people and, and seeing that much excitement. So compare, uh, compare a little bit to that, to those initial days. Uh, crowd's good. Um, you know, that people get excited for Patrick Mahomes. One thing I will note when it comes to the crowd noise is – Tyreek Hill, whenever he, he seems to touch touch the ball, he's hearing some cheers. I think the the fans, given all that had happened this offseason, are, are really letting him hear the support, and I just, just find that interesting. I read an article that uh, your newly acquired uh, inside guy, Ron Kopp, had wrote a couple of days ago, I think it was actually yesterday, about how Steve Spagnuolo can be a – part of basically an anom- not anomaly but part of something that has happened before where and it when it comes to Super Bowl runs teams that have replaced that position at that coach at defensive coordinator have won a championship in their first or second year as replacing that job is it fair to say that Steve Spagnolo is Obi-Wan Kenobi for this team to get over that hump <laughs> uh it's an interesting comparison yeah i mean i i think that he came in with a a very direct initiative and I think he's taken it as let's make this defense as, as good as it could possibly be but I think it's more so hey make the defense not the you know the reason we not the reason we lose every single week week in and week out and I think that's something he realizes an interesting conversation he had the other day during a presser a reporter asked him uh, how ambitious can you really get this year and he said 
it's interesting is you know he's faced this year this first year before where it's gone well and where it has not gone well so there's got to be a balance of that i don't think you necessarily make it too complicated in year one and you don't need to and i think we've said it on talk radio uh numerous shows numerous occasions i don't think the chiefs defense needs to be number one mm-hmm. for them to win the super bowl i mean the chiefs with their atrocious defense last year almost made the super bowl and let's be honest they probably would have had a really good chance given the offense against the los angeles rams to win uh it all so i, I think it's just coming in and, and making it competitive you know Steve Spagnuolo, they want to be a reason the Chiefs win, but, I mean, you don't even need to be that good, and so that's something to remember. Yeah, I think points against, they were 24th, and I said earlier they just need to get inside the top 20, whether it be 19 or 18. That's all it needs to really get to. Yeah, and, from again, there's been no competition so far, but I I tend to think they're going to be better than that. I, I probably have them somewhere between 10 and 20, just, just based upon the vibes that I'm – I'm getting right now. I don't know if they break into the top ten, but they certainly have some playmakers. And Frank Clark and Tyron Matthew really raising the level of play, and I really like the one Thornhill kid who had an interception today. Yeah, you said uh, – was it you that said that that uh, Frank Clark the other day was like grown-ass man over here? Why y'all running over here? <laughs> I think uh, I think it was Therese Paler who might have yeah. tweeted that out. I think it was a tweet. Um, yeah, I mean, he – an offensive line and a defensive line drills, not afraid to chirp to these guys. And, you know, when you play anything, whether right. it be your buddy at the bar and you're playing a bar game and they're chirping, you know, makes you want to compete a little bit harder. And I think he's raising the level of play of uh, offensive linemen. I, I think fellow defensive linemen who look at him, you know, Chris Jones is trying to make a buck here. So he looks at Frank Clark and sees what he got paid. And so he's raising his level of competitiveness, competitiveness as well. And, and so, just a, a guy that, that's raising the level and raising the expectation in the dog days when sometimes I think it gets hard uh, to keep that effort level there. And uh, he's keeping it uh, up there as a leader for this team. So you and Brandon Kylie have been around this team probably the most out of anybody, I think, uh, at this station. I believe at this station. I, I know that for a fact. Mm-hmm. Um, it seems to be the most, I guess, the most popular thing to come out of both of your guys' mouths or your fingers when you tweet is that Passigno is turning heads and that Juan Thornhill is going to be better than we anticipated. I guess go ahead, let us know what that means. Yeah, and I think it's been more BK and I on the pulse of the Passigno thing because yeah. I don't necessarily know if the team has a full grasp of like what the public thinks of him. And I, you know, I think a lot of us, especially who analyze the team all the time, thought a good chance Passio gets cut. And just to see him and how often he's mixing with the first team, more so than Breland Speaks, who we thought for a long time uh, the Chiefs liked a bit more than Passio, but Steve Spagnuolo likes these really big guys, and Passio is that in every sense of the word. Uh, he's mixing in some of the sub-packages. I don't necessarily know if he's in the base, but he'll certainly have a role in the team. To me, there's no doubt he makes his team. And then I think to, to get to this place from where we had been uh, coming into training camp is amazing. And then with, with Juan Thornhill, I, I just think the team is more pumping that out, and more so than BK and I, because mm. a guy like Louis Riddick of ESPN, who hasn't been to training camp, is saying, watch out for the tandem of Thornhill and Matthew. Uh, listen, that's not coming from a fellow local reporter. That's coming straight probably from, what I would guess, the phone and the fingers of Brett Beach. And so I think this team really likes um, Juan Thornhill and, and believes he'll be a contributor this year. And I keep pumping out this, too. 
doesn't necessarily mean the end of Dan Sorensen. I think Sorensen's having a nice camp. He knows that to an extent his position is, is threatened right now by this kid. And even Andy Reid can confirm today you could expect to see these three safeties in some packages on the field at the same time. And, and given the cornerback depth, I think that's a good thing. What is it that was going to get Passanio cut that's not going to get him cut now that's making you think that he's going to make this team? I think just how much Steve Spagnuolo likes him. Um, I, I go back to the story a lot. Uh, if you rewatch and, and dig up the Colin Saunders call from Steve Spagnuolo, you know, the night, night of the draft when the personnel calls to let them know they've become Kansas City Chiefs, one thing he says to, to Saunders is, you have good guys to, to play defense and you're a big guy and we think you'll fit right in something to that extent. I'm paraphrasing here. Uh, Spagnuolo really likes these big guys, I think, especially when it comes to defending the run. Um, and I think he, he's made uh, Pano Passigno, in a sense, his personal passion project. I mean, that's something not something he directly has said, but whenever asked about him, you could tell that he wants to get something out of this guy. And the fact that he's Passigno I'm talking about is getting the reps with the first team makes me think, okay, even his actions, that we always see or hear actions speak louder than words. Well, he's getting, he's getting playing time. And so interested to see just exactly how much playing time he gets in some of these preseason games and then ultimately week one. Talking with Pete Sweeney, the chief editor of Arrowhead Pride. Pete, just a couple more and I'll get you on here with your day because I know you've been at it pretty early this morning. His practice started at 8.15 and again it starts at 8.15 tomorrow as I believe today to get it right. Tomorrow to get it right is the season ticket holder <laughs> appreciation day, right? Oh, yeah. Okay. Oh, yeah. Season ticket, ticket members, they like to be called members, not holders for some reason. Uh, they'll be out here uh, probably part, you know, partying a little bit, enjoying Sunday fun day here at St. Joe. Pete, I'd like your take on this. Uh, we did two topics earlier in today's show where I compare this team having a Hollywood feel to them, just obviously with Pat Mahomes and all the things that are coming around him, but also with the core itself. I know that, uh, you know, you follow this team a little bit more in depth than most, probably a lot more than people think. Um, but when it comes to the core of this team, who's the one guy that you tend to pay more attention to? And when I say the core of this team, I mean Mahomes, Hill, Kelsey, maybe Chris Jones, maybe Tyron Matthew. But when it comes to the core of this team, who is one guy that you kind of like take away as a personal, like maybe like not like a fan favorite, but somebody that you kind of watch more? Like Nick and I had talked earlier, the guy I kind of look at more a little bit outside of the team aspect or the core aspect is Travis Kelsey. He looks at Tyree Kill, and we compare it to the Royals, whereas I would look at, like, Gerard Dyson was a guy that, like, when he came up or he did right. something big, it was like, that's my dude. Like, when it comes to this Chiefs team, who was one guy in that core, I mean, excluding Pat, that, like, maybe you're like, okay, if this guy's doing this, then then they're they're rolling. I'll throw away, I'll throw away, by the way, I'll throw in Whit Merrifield as my guy at the K, but when it comes, when it comes to the Chiefs, I'm really liking uh, linebacker Damian Wilson right now. Didn't practice today dealing with some knee soreness, but when he has been out there, uh, you could see some of these tackling and, and thud periods right now just going full full force, and just the effort level has really impressed me. Uh, Frank Clark is another guy who looks like a freak of nature, and last year was very one-sided. So to see these two guys and to see, okay, there's some real interest as far as defensive stars. I think that speaks volumes because you just didn't have that last year. So Damian Wilson, and I said this yesterday, I'll repeat myself, he gives me some DJ vibes in the middle there. And so uh, I know that probably would, is, is, is big words uh, to the years of Chiefs fans, especially because I'm talking about a guy who's, who's really had a lot of special team snaps when it comes to his time with the Dallas Cowboys. But I, 
I feel like the Chiefs might have found um, found themselves diamond in the rough when it comes to Damian Wilson. Last question, Pete. Uh, we're doing a topic next segment where uh, some, uh, I don't know who it was, but they did a rating of the best sandwiches or the most popular sandwiches in America. Number one at 79% is the grilled cheese. The last one out of 15 <laughs> is a French dip at 46%. Grilled cheese took it away with 79%. What's your favorite sandwich in America? Um, I don't know. I don't know if we have a sponsor at the station, but I love me the Z-Man. I don't know how you could go wrong with the Z-Man from Jones, and then I could talk to more generic. I mean, there's nothing like a good Reuben. I mean, you know what I'm talking about? No, that's that's one of mine, and it's second to last on the list. That yeah, see that's that's a problem. I your find, your top I mean, five, by the way: grilled cheese, grilled chicken, turkey, roast beef, ham. I also think, and I understand it's not that hard to make, but a PBJ needs to be in the mix. Oh, it's in there, but it is number one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. It is behind. I, I kid you not, the bacon sandwich. Oh, <laughs> that's dead yeah, serious. That's a huge problem for me because I'll tell you one thing: if you're in the house, and I'm not talking about you know you're not feeling ravenous hungry because you know you're not going to go into the fridge for a grilled cheese, but you know if you're a little hungry, there's nothing that hits the spot like a PBJ and a small glass of milk. You know what I mean? Two percent or skim? Get more respect for the PBJ. What kind of milk? I'm a two percent guy now. Like uh, as I grow, as I grew up, I was, I was a whole guy straight from the cow. But I'm trying to trying to lose a little, a little bit of weight here, so I'm going to go with the two percent. What kind of jelly? And are you smooth or crunchy peanut butter? Then I'm getting you out of here. Smooth peanut butter, <sighs> and again, right. I grew up pretty boring with jelly, uh, with um, grape jelly. But now I go for the strawberry. There you go. Know, I buy my own groceries. The rents don't do it anymore for me, so I get the strawberry, jelly, uh, peanut butter, and you know a little pro tip here. But I mean, toast that bread. Any sandwich is better with toasted bread. I don't do that. I do uh, honey wheat as it is out of the bag. That's Pete Sweeney live from uh, St. Joe and uh, covering the Chiefs training camp. And I know, Pete, that we're going to be around each other a lot this football season. So I hope you're ready for a little uh, Sween and Dustman action this year. <laughs> I'm always ready for Sween and Dustman action. That's little right. Pete out. All right, later on. He's a little peed out. Coming up, we are going to dive back into that. What are the best sandwiches? Sex 9, 69306, Eat With a Purpose, Protein House, Eat With a Purpose, Text Line. America's ranked their best sandwiches. Number one's grilled cheese and the dead last finisher's French dip. And I'm pissed. Out of Bounds with Dusty Likens and Nick Price. 610 Sports Radio. One fifty one. Into the 1 o'clock hour, then it's only an hour left, and then it's Jillian Carroll, Julio Sanchez, Christian Nocero as overtime, or... The sexiest trio in sports radio. That's right. Uh, that's all here, live and local on 610 Sports Radio. Brandon Kylie was first with the leadoff from 10 to noon. We, Nick Price, myself, Dusty Likens, you can find uh, Nick Price on Twitter at at NickPriceKC. You can find me at at Dusty Likens on Twitter. Um, Growing that following, man. That's right, 836. Get this man to 1,000. That's right. We got to get 1,000 by opening day. Or not opening day, but by opening weekend in the NFL. Foul by opening weekend. Um, we just had Pete Sweeney on live from camp. He likes Damian Williams. He thinks he's a lot like DJ. Mm, some DJ vibes. Um, also doesn't know if uh, the Juan Thornhill thing is a, uh, a thing of the team or the thing of the fans. I think it's more, like he said, a thing of the team that's getting some pub. But... Dirty Dan still on his team. Going to get some playing time. Juan Thornhill as well. Going to get some playing time. But this is where we bring the show to the people. This is something that I want to do and engage with our audience who is live and local. Where we kind of take a little break from sports. We have like a little bit of a five-minute segment because we went a little long with Pete. Because, you know, 
Long Pete's better than Short Pete. Mm-hmm. That's just the way we've looked at it, even though Nick Price calls him Little Pete, and Little Pete said Little Pete out. He still threw a lot of shade at me in that interview, which is fine. That's just a Pete and I's relationship. Just stay, stay continued with Pete Sweeney and myself, as there will be a lot more coming uh, with Pete Sweeney and myself with the Chiefs football season. And what is it? Rushing the field with Jay Binkley. Rush the field with Jay Binkley. Oh, that is hilarious. <laughs> so, uh, of course, Twitter, here you are, at Walt Hickey, if you're joining along with us live. Um, or if you want to look at this later on the podcast page, you can check it out in the second hour of Out of Bounds on 610 Sports Radio. But if you're listening in your car to the radio live on 610 Sports Radio, or if you're listening on the radio.com app and you favored 610, um, remember, you can check out a lot of stuff on the 435 Podcast Network. Ron and Sh- uh, Ron the Show was doing his, where it's Mr. and Mrs. Show. In fact, I saw Ron this morning and uh, met his wife, Courtney, for the first time ever. Great people. They did their uh, newest episode today. Um, so that's going to be dropping soon. Keep your eyes open. Steven Serta does one over movies, except that Steven Serta is just completely lost in the Avengers. I don't understand how someone can literally watch a movie seven times, literally six times in theater. And now he's watching it at his house again and again and again, but where we have to dive into this and you can get into it with us as well. Um, the fact that People voted on this, and the outcome of the votes is absolutely astonishing. And that is at Walt Hickey is where they found this. Walt Hickey is a numlock.news and senior editor for data at This Is Insider, previously at 538 and at William and Mary. That's just his entire Twitter. Which the 538 is the one that predicts the presidential elections and stuff, so they're big yeah. stats guys. Big stats guys. So they did a stat. Um, like some of the people in this town do a lot of stat-driven radio. There's guys across the station or across the city that do only stats. And I think stats are at sometimes very boring and very lazy. But when it comes to this, we're going to join that realm. So if you want to join in and let us know what your favorite sandwich is, let us know. Because apparently when it comes to America, they did theirs. They did 15 sandwiches. And here they are as listed by percentage. I'm actually not going to read the percentages. I'm just going to read 1 to 15. In the order. In the order that they are ranked. Number one, grilled cheese. Number two, grilled chicken. Number three, turkey sandwich. Number four, roast beef. Number five, ham sandwich. Moving on to the second tier of five. Number six, BLT. Number seven, the club sandwich. Number eight, bacon sandwich. Literally, number eight at 67% of the vote is bacon sandwich. So everything bacon behind and bread? this, just bacon and bread. It says bacon sandwich. I know. I mean, like, I'm looking at it know. right now. I can't, I, I can't do follow-up it's questions. It's hurting my brain. Yes. Number, the next one, number, number nine, peanut butter and jelly. Number 10, pulled pork. Number 11, tuna. Number 12, egg salad. Number 13, the meatball sub, which I guess is a sandwich. Number 14, the Reuben. And number 15, the French dip. The fact that meatball, Reuben, and French dip are all behind, and peanut butter and jelly, and pulled pork, are all behind the lame-ass bacon sandwich is just a catastrophical disaster in America. But I'm not sure I'm surprised. No, I don't know one person out there. I couldn't tell you one person who I've ever seen or heard about eating a bacon sandwich of just bacon and bread. I'm guessing there's cheese on there. There's got to be some other kind of meat in the mix. Also, grilled cheese at number one. I know it's classic. I know it's easy to make. But, like, 
I haven't had a grilled cheese in a long time. That used to be a go-to when I was a child because it was easy to make, pop it in the microwave or whatever, melt some cheese on there, right. good to go. Wait, what? Well, you, that's like college days, you know? You're broke. You don't have, like, the proper cooking. But I and then didn't have you a didn't hot have plate. You didn't have a pot in I, your house? No, not the whole time. Anyway, Who I'm growing up now. Who the makes a grilled cheese in the microwave? It's disgusting. All right, we're moving on. Um, that's a quesadilla with bread. Yeah. That's not a grilled cheese. You have to grill it. You have to grill the cheese. It I the get it. It's in the name. name. Yeah, I get it. It's in the name. Oh All right. Oh, my God. Well, okay. I think that the most blasphemous one on this list, though, is the French dip coming in at 46%. 46%. Percent, yeah. French no. dip is just delicious. And this vote The happened? au jus on the side? Oh, Are you man. kidding me? The key to the French dip, though, is a side of horseradish. Really? Yes. Okay. Oh, I went to Herman, Missouri, and I went to this, uh, like, dive bar. And they had a French dip, and they gave me a side of raw horseradish. Oh, it changed my life. Jack Sack have a really good French dip, right? They do have a great French dip. Yeah. And if you get that with the side of their creamy horseradish, oh, mama. Mm. And I get it. People go to Jack Stack. You want the barbecue. You want the crown rib, the beans, and the cheesy corn. You can get all that. Underrated with. menu item, though. What, the French dip? Yeah. Oh, out, uh, 100%. That yeah. and the lamb ribs and their fire-kissed wings. Very underrated. Amazing. But to me, what the most su- surprising thing about this is that if you're going to have the grilled cheese at number one, how is the peanut butter and jelly one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight slots behind the grilled cheese? Like, I feel like if grilled cheese is number one, it's because nostalgia was probably one of the key votes where they were like you said, grilled cheese. You remember as a kid, it was one of the staples of your life. You put any type of cheese on it. You get older, you put five cheeses on it. You really want to get freaky with it. You can put some shredded cheese on top of the bread, mm. flip it over in the pan. But the fact that we are at turkey and roast beef at three and four and then Bacon at eight. Sixty-seven percent bacon sandwich. That's just a BLT without lettuce and tomato. The BLT is a strong one. It's number six. But the fact that the Reuben and French dip finished the list, pretty sad. So from the text line where we bring the show uh, to the public, my top five from the nine one three BLT meatloaf sandwich turkey turkey from Thanksgiving. PB and honey, PB Miracle Whip, and lettuce sandwich. Peanut butter and honey sandwich is awesome. But I have to know, 913 out of your top five, when you're using peanut butter, are you using crunchy or smooth? Because for me, went to Hy-Vee yesterday, got peanut butter. I only roll with crunchy. I'm a smooth guy. That sucks. I like smooth. How in the hell do you make a grilled cheese in the microwave? I know. (laughs) It wasn't my proudest moment. It wasn't wasn't like. Oh, God. I'm becoming an adult now. I I use the grill or the skillet or something like that. From the nine one three, I don't know how grilled cheese is, or how grilled chicken is number two. Grilled chicken is boring. Totally agree. Uh-huh. No fried bologna. List is fake, which is hilarious because my uh, best friend's uncle was just talking about that yesterday. I stopped by to get some farm fresh tomatoes, and he was like, uh, "I said, what are you gonna have for dinner tonight, Dennis?" And he said, ah, "I'm out of bologna. Can't have any fried bologna sandwiches." <laughs> I feel like that's a generational thing. It definitely is. It's basically just a flat hot dog sandwich. But uh, there you go. Philly cheesesteak is pretty good. I don't know if that's a sandwich, but damn. We were just talking about that in here. Yeah, Philly Philly cheesesteak is amazing, though. If Mm -hmm. you go to, uh, what is it, Uh, Pepper Jack's Grill? Pepper Jack's, oh, yeah. Oh, man, great sandwich there. Get that Chipotle Ranch, too. Uh, Where does the BLT fall on the list? My boyfriend makes the best BLT. Um, I'm not sure how you make a best BLT because it's literally three ingredients of bacon, lettuce, and tomato. How I do mine that's different from others Little uh, minced garlic, mix it with mayo and mustard, and that's my spread. Okay. Um, skim milk isn't milk. It's just not milk. And then after that is Armani Watts. I don't think that's a sandwich. I just think that's a question of who is a surprise at camp. 
Uh, it's 2 o'clock. we got to get out of here. we got to start the final hour of the show. But coming up next, um, we talked about it earlier, but that magic – actually, we didn't talk about it earlier. That magic crunch really got to you, but it's actually for a great cause. Out of Bounds with Dusty Likens and Nick Price, 610 Sports Radio. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.